Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. Lord God, we need your Shekinah in this place. We need you to move in power. And I need you to uproot some brokenness. I sense it in the room, God. Break every yoke and chain in this place today, God. We're trusting you now. Before we even get in the word, we're going to believe you that it's done in Jesus' name. We thank you in advance in Jesus' name. We thank you in advance in Jesus' name. We thank you in advance in Jesus' name. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Lord God, deal specifically today with the stronghold of loneliness. Deal with it today. The stronghold of nobody's here for me. Lord God, break it today. Break it today, God. Break the stronghold of I've been forgotten. Break it today, God. Break it today. 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 today. In Jesus' name. Yes, God. All right. Lord God, as we get in your word, Lord God, I pray that this will not merely be an intellectual exercise, that it would engage the mind, but God, I pray that you would break your people in ways they haven't been broken in years. I pray that you would have a special meeting with your people today. A very special one. That type of meeting that you can't forget. That type of meeting where you remember where you got free. That type of meeting where you remember when you got delivered. That type of meeting when we said it's it and that's enough. I'm I'm sick of it and that's it. And I'm taking a stand right now with Jesus. By your might. (laughs) By your spirit. Says the Lord God Almighty. Now open your eyes, open your eyes, and let's look at this wall. We're gonna, gonna read today. Gonna read, it's time to read, it's time to get in the word. He's here, <clears throat> he's here in a very special way, I believe it. He's, here. he's already in you, but he's just present. Let's go ahead and put the word up today. We're in 2 Corinthians 10, three through six, and Judges six. We're gonna be in both passages. We're gonna read, and we're going to return to this moment after we're over. One, two, three, read.
Amen. Amen. I want to talk today about how to break free from strongholds. How to break free. Somebody say break free. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. 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 Before we start the section on prayer, we are going to deal with strong holes. Um, my desire and your desire should be to be a real Christian. Um, a real authentic believer in Christ. Um, a lot of us don't realize that in Western ideology, they didn't have the, the false dichotomies that we have in Western culture. Eastern culture didn't see a difference between your doctrine, what you believe, and what you did. There was really a merging of the two in which if you didn't do it, in their mind, you don't believe it. <laughs> Many of us don't realize that much of our life is filled with functional atheism. In other words, we are theologically Christian, but practically atheists. Because if, if we were to really look, and I, I, we, it's time to get to business, no fly introduction. We got to get to, I, I can wow you with some amens and have a few of y'all stand up today, but we're about business today. It's time for you to deal with the reality of the fact that many of our lives are not on track as reflecting God well. And it's time to end the, the cycle of a lack of seriousness about the things of God. It's time for it to be over. It's time now to begin to say, okay, now. I'm not just merely talking about being on fire for God, that type of thing. I'm talking about a lifestyle that's committed to long obedience in the same direction, that's committed to faithfulness, that's committed to standing up in the midst of difficulty and trials and walking with God, that's committed consistently to repenting from sin, that's, that every time God shows me something in my life, I want to deal with it very, very quickly and not let it grow and not try to minimize it and act like it's not a sin, call it a mistake or a frustration or, or a pain or a hurt or, 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 or all of us have stuff. No, I want to call what in my life what God calls it so that I can have in my life what God wants in my life and so as we begin to deal with this everybody under the sound of my voice needs this I don't care how long you've been a Christian I don't care how short you've been a Christian you have patterns of dysfunctionality that have become a part of the matrix of your Christian life that you've almost made a, a, a staple of I can't get over itness and therefore I must make room for it. Well, I'm coming against that in Jesus' name today and believing that you're going to get beyond where you are and you're going to have a better Christian life. You're going to walk in a victorious Christian life and you're going to love God more. You're going to pursue him more and it's time for the stuff that's been holding you back to be over. I wish I had about two people that understood under the sound of my voice that I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I want for my life what God has for my life. I'm sick of the way I've been doing it. I'm sick of the way I've been working on it. I'm sick of the people I've been depending on. I'm sick of the stuff. I just want this stuff to be over. I know everything will be free when I get to heaven, but I want to fight through and enjoy some stuff in God now. <laughs> so we go 
to 2 Corinthians. And over and over and over again, I've been giving you this verse throughout the series. Finally, we come back to it as we've preached this in the past. And so I'm saying it again because I know we need it. The Bible says, although we live in the flesh, in other words, we live in this world, we do not wage war according to the flesh. In other words, don't bring faulty weapons to a fight that it wasn't meant for. It's like going to a baseball game with a football. It's like going to a gunfight with knives. The, the, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. That means that you as a believer have to now really take seriously that you got to fight. There are ways that God fights for you, but there are ways also that God fights through you. That's a word right there. Let me just explain something to you. There are ways that God fights for you, and there are ways that God wants to choose to fight through you. And that means that you have to begin to live in light of this reality in every area of your life. Because he says, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God, that's key. Because you can use spiritual weapons, but not use them through God. When you begin yelling at demons for long periods of time, that's, that's you. Whenever you see demons come out of, you ain't see them, I come against the demon of sickness and depression, and I speak to you right now, and I command you to tell me the place in which the depression is taking place. No, that's not what happens. In the name of Jesus, come out. Ah! They come out. That's how, that means you, all of that talking means you don't have no power. And, and, when, 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 because if God's voice is, is, if your voice, your vocal cords are riding the waves of his power, hmm, I felt that right there in the Holy Ghost. When, it's, when he says it, it has to respond. And so that's why I say it's divinely powered through God, not through you. So you're yelling and, and, and your supernatural talk. You know, you know, you know, I decree and declare, not in the Bible. I'm sorry. I decree right now, only God decrees. Okay, and, and, so, and so, 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 so when we talk about this idea of, of divinely power through God, it's not verbiage that impresses other Christians to get chills down their spine and for them to shout and say amen to what you're saying. But when I pray, I don't pray for everybody around me. I want to reach heaven. When I speak to the enemy, I'm not trying to have my voice heard and make you impressed. Oh, he can really pray. Oh, he can really. No, 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 no. I, 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 you can whisper with the greatest amount of faith and God will move in a faith of a whisper as if a tornado had come through that faith because the faith the size of a mustard seed can whisper the name of Jesus and can just mention the name of Jesus and stuff will just part out of the way. So don't you dare think your cultural communication is God's power. He says here, he says, but a powerful through God for the demolition of fortresses or strongholds. <laughs> Let's stop here. Because demolition here means to weaken. <laughs> weaken. That's what we need to happen in our lives. And we have gone through um, the, 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 the spiritual weapons that God gives us the ability to weaken strongholds hold on us. When we look back at, let's look at it real quick. When we look back at the belt of truth. When you look at the belt of truth, it weakens strongholds dysfunction. It weakens strongholds dysfunction. Look up there. Oh, and and of, of, the, of the strongholds of dysfunctionality, we're going to talk about that in a minute, and lies in your life, and restores 
God's standards to your life that holds your life together. We talk about the belt of truth. Remember, the belt of truth holds all of the pieces of the armor that you put on together except for the shoes. And what it does is truth is supposed to hold stuff together in your life. But what happens is, is the enemy wants you to walk in lies and dysfunctionality. When, he, when you walk in lies and dysfunctionality, your life comes apart because God doesn't hold those things together. God doesn't support lies. He doesn't support dysfunction. He may meet you in those things, but he doesn't support them. Therefore, you have to have the belt of truth actively holding those things together. Go back to the message for that. Breastplate of righteousness. Weaken the strongholds, <coughs> the, uh, the hole of strongholds on your heart. So the, so the breastplate of righteousness is supposed to protect your heart. Again, this is by review. Uh, uh, of your mind, emotions, and will. Say mind, mind. Emotions, emotions, and will. Yes, 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 yes. The way you think, your value system, your emotions, your affections, and your will. Your execution of your values based on your affections followed by doing them. Next. Next up there is uh, the, uh, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Weakening strongholds that inhibit the gospel from making you whole. The, uh, the, when we talk about the gospel of peace, the gospel brings peace, shalom, arene. When we look at this quickly, what happens in your life as a believer family of God is what happens is, 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 is the gospel comes to make every area of your life whole again. Now, now what the enemy wants to do is he wants to disturb the, 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 the work of God through creation in your life. And so what happened was creation happened. But then because of the fall, decreation happened. Oh, God, wish I had time to talk about decreation. But in your life, practically, the enemy wants to decreate, but God wants to recreate. Y'all don't know when to shout. In other words, in other words the, the, the enemy is trying to decreate. So what God is going to do during the tribulation period is he's actually going to cause things to decreate the current heavens and earth because he wants to make things new. In other words, what that tells me is sometimes in your life, things have to get worse before they get better. <laughs> some, 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 some stuff in your life, God's going to decreate so he can recreate. But you got to be careful of what you hold on to because what you're holding on to may hurt you if you don't let go of it. And God wants to, and God functionally wants to, wants to decreate a lack of wholeness in your life and recreate it in wholeness through the gospel. <laughs> Shield of faith. It weakens strongholds that work against the Holy Spirit, soak faith that deflects Satan's fiery darts. So we look at, again, this as it pertains um, to, to strongholds. This, the, these, these, are the, these are the tear down mechanisms, uh, okay, that, that you gotta utilize. And we're gonna come back to that towards the end. Not these, but you're gonna have to go back and we're gonna have to apply. Somebody say apply. I don't want you to just say that was a good word. I want you to say that's a life word because you need to get changed, not just tickled. And, and, and there's a difference. There's, there's a difference. Uh, it being good doesn't impress me. You being changed is the best message I could ever hear. Next one, next one, next one. Helmet of salvation weakens through the gospel, through gospel-driven thoughts, the enemy tries to insert in your head. <laughs> so the beauty of the helmet of salvation is it, 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 it weakens uh, uh, through gospel-driven thoughts what the enemy tries to insert in you. All of those things that he's been telling you, we're going to come back to that. You have to deflect with God's truth. <laughs> and the spirit, uh, the sword of the spirit weakens uh, a pot the potential, uh, a potential threats to deflect imminent threats as well as we work through that. And so as we look at <laughs> this passage, 
The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but divinely powered for the demolition or destruction of strongholds. What's a stronghold? I'm glad you asked. It's a mindset because look, we tear it down. It's a thought. So a stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. Let me say that again. A stronghold is a mindset value system or thought process that hinders your growth. In other words, it's stubborn things that refuse to move. Now, why is it stubborn? Satan isn't in your mind holding the stronghold in place. You have to accept what Satan inserts in you as a thought. Satan only has the power to give a thought to you. While I was even up here, about the, I was singing today, the devil brought, I ain't even going to tell you the demonic thought he brought to my mind. I was like, where in the world did that come from? And I had to deflect right then and there. And we, but what happens is, is when you entertain what the enemy says, it's the process of giving soil to the enemy in your mind. And when you give soil to the enemy, you give it a place to germinate and grow. Listen, the, the, listen, your mind is a spiritual environment of development and growth. How do I know that? Because the parable of the soils tells us that, is that the word of God is supposed to go in good soil. But if you got good soil that gets bad stuff in it, that good soil can still grow weeds in it. Ain't nobody talking back. And so, and so, and so the soil, you, you, you as a believer aren't supposed to listen, allow the enemies, you, you got to begin to not entertain things that the enemy puts in your mind and begin to allow it to be there. And then you become a farmer of a demonic environment in your soul. But what are we supposed to do as believers? We are supposed to take those thoughts captive. And so now that we look at this idea of Strongholds being a mindset, stubborn ways of thinking that the enemy attempts to get in your life and get in your stuff to change you and to work on you because if the enemy gets your mind, he gets you. Please hear me there, family. If the enemy gets your thinking, he gets you. That's why one of the first things that God changes is your mind. That's why he gives you, like we talked about during the series, the mind of Christ. Now, I want you to stop taking a knockoff mind instead of the full manufactured mind that God has given you. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Let me see if I can make it plain. You go down to Broad and Gerard. I ain't knocking, nobody hustle. But you'll see Polo out there, Gucci, uh, Fendi, Jordans. And you're like, man, how much is that? Oh, just 20 for you, man. You're like, that's Gucci. Fendi for $20? You're like, oh, it's good. You know, you wash it, it turns into a baby sweatshirt just <laughs> immediately, right? Why? Because it's knockoff. But when you go to a manufacturer certified store to go get something, you get everything that comes with it because it's guaranteed by the manufacturer. You as a believer have to stop taking the knockoff philosophy of the devil and inserting it as if it's a certified mindset. 
That's why your mindset's so small because when you take the enemy's mindset, it always shrink you from the bigness of seeing what God wants you to see in your life. But if you allow the mind of Christ to rule in every area of your life, your thoughts about life are bigger. Your commitment to God is bigger. Why? Because it has the capacity to be surrounded and committed to the things of God because it was manufactured for that particular purpose. So stop putting off the old, begin putting off the old mind and put on the new mind and so as we look at this we go over to Judges 6 go over to Judges 6 and as we go over to Judges 6 we build the foundation now let's look at what it functionally means to actually now put this into practice Brings me to my first of two points. If you're going to deal with strongholds in your life, number one, you need divine intervention. You need divine intervention. The Bible says here, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah which belonged to Joash the Abiasrite. His son, Gideon, was threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now what I like about this issue here is, let me explain something to you. When you are in your stronghold, um, you are blind to a lot of things. Here in the passage, we see Yahweh, the angel of the Lord, shows up and he's physically present in an incarnate state, but he's cloaked his presence while he's standing there watching Gideon live in the functionality of his strongholds. Know what I love about God is God does not let your stronghold get in the way of his commitment to come after you. You are never gone too far. You're never gone too far off for God to show up in your life uh, 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 and, and, and help you to get free. God does divine intervention, and I believe that that's what's happening to you today. I believe that God is having us talk about this particular thing today because God has decided that enough is enough in your life, and, 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 and he doesn't want to be cloaked in your, in, in your life as a presence that's there but that you don't see and you live in your dysfunction. And what is interesting about this is we get a picture of the living God watching us in our dysfunction yet moving towards us, yet coming after us, yet seeking to love us. Some of you think you have gone too far and you think you are too far off from God for him to come get you. But let me tell you something. God is nearer to those who are far off than those who think they're up close because God, God wants to give you a supernatural encounter that will change the trajectory of your life. A super, and I believe God for supernatural encounters. I've had my share of supernatural encounters where God has come through for me when I was running from him, when I was trying to not do what he wanted me to do. I remember I was smoking some strange drug in my car over two decades, well over two decades ago, almost 30 years ago now. And I was running from God's presence. I was chasing it with all kinds of different things, just smoking. And, and, and the spirit of God came into the car. Yes, yes. No, no, what happened? A friend of mine made a, a, a mixtape for me. Yes. 
and it had gospel music on it because they knew I was a believer, but I was wild. And I was like, I don't know why I put that tape in because I didn't know what was on it. It was a tape, you know. <laughs> I didn't like put it on my phone and you know how y'all do. And I pushed it in. And then I heard this song, how can you forgive me when I have gone astray? And I was like, what is happening? How can you think of me when I do things my way? At that point, the high began to decrease. And I said, I want to be high. And when it got to the point, and I am running back to you. I see you standing there for me. Your arms are open wide. When I heard that, I, I don't know what happened in that place, but I had a, interview. oh, I, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Um, I, he in, I encountered God at that moment. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And drugs didn't taste the same to me. And I said, what's happening to me? That's what God wants to do in our lives. Some of you have been acting Christian. You've been coming to church and you're playing with a new life that God has given you. But he loves you enough to just show up on your doorstep. He loves you enough to just interrupt your foolishness by, 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 by the eternal broadcasting system of heaven and come in and begin to disturb your high. It says here, it says here, it says, <laughs> he was beating wheat in the wine press. Now, that doesn't seem like anything, but really he was using something that functioned for something else for another reason that what it wasn't created for. That's how you know you're in a stronghold. You know you're in a stronghold when you misuse stuff that was created for one reason for another reason. That's called functional dysfunctionality. When you become functionally dysfunctional, what's dysfunctional doesn't feel dysfunctional, it feels normal. Let me see if I can make it plain. So, um, and this is not to down obesity, anything like that. So my wife put me on, she's watching the show, and you know, is my 600 pound life. And this, I couldn't believe how this person was living. One person literally hadn't been out of their bed in three to five years. And because of their size, they can't close their legs to get out like they want to. They cooked in the bed. One person had a portable toilet beside their bed. And then family members were coming in and it was as if the dysfunctionality of it had ruled the family. And no one saw their eating habits are strange. Like I'm talking about going to Chick-fil-A and I'm not, I'm, again, this is not, too, this is, please do not laugh. I'm not trying to make a joke. We're talking about people eating like four sandwiches from Chick-fil-A and three, like a liter soda. And I'm just like, wow. And no one's like, I mean, it's being dropped down like it's nothing. When dysfunctionality is that dysfunctional, what happens is many of us don't realize is that not only are we dysfunctional, is that we help others to be. Let me explain something to you. There's some of you who are in a stronghold who are dysfunctional because you have dysfunctional stronghold feeders. Mm. 
But this is the people that nobody talks about. The other side of that is some of you under the sound of my voice are the ones who feed into other people's dysfunction. And you make room for them to be dysfunctional and guess what you're in without knowing it, a stronghold. Because anytime, because if you have the stuff to feed them with, that means you have it yourself. And so when we talk about this reality of functional dysfunction, what we have to realize, oh God help me, is what we have to realize is that we have to begin to have a self-awareness of how dysfunctional our lives go. Why is this a dysfunction? Because the God of heaven had disciplined the children of Israel. And when he disciplined the children of Israel because of their sin, they had to restructure their lives around their sinfulness versus repenting and allowing God to take wheat out to the threshing floor in order that they may thresh wheat out in the threshing floor. In other words, when your life becomes dysfunctional, everything in your life changes. And it becomes the new normal that you submit to. But what's interesting in the text, and what I love about this, it's really weird to hear this. It says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him just out of nowhere and said, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Now, that is the weirdest thing that you could ever hear in your life. Why? Because if I was God and I showed up to somebody I told what to do, I'd be like, uh, right now, I ought to destroy you. you. Do you know what I could do to you right now? Because you're in this stronghold and y'all not listening to me and all this stuff going on, I would have went off. But reminding people of their mess isn't always a motivation for them to get out of it. <laughs> in other words, God could have reminded him of how messy Israel was and his life was. But what he did was he gave him visionary encouragement. He didn't call him a sucker like he was. He didn't call him a bum dude. You know what I'm saying? You know on the street they say something else. Um, they say a whole bunch... But here he says, the Lord is with you, Eshikhael. What is that? A man, a warrior man. God calls a dude that's hiding from the Midianites a warrior. In other words, the way God works is God never expects you to stay where you are by calling you based on where you are. <laughs> When God wants to work on you, he lets you know that where you are isn't where he sees you long term. Y'all don't know when to shout in this church. <clears throat> he calls him what the Proverbs 31 woman is called. She's called a woman of great value. With, with, with like Joab and David's mighty men of valor who would go in, 15 of them would go in special black ops and knock down 15,000 people. He calls him of that type of dude even though he's fearful and in a stronghold because God loves to call those things that are not in your life as they already are. Let me see if I can make it plain. Um, God is, and this is what trips me out about God. God doesn't choose well. God is, y'all heard me say this before, God is the worst talent scout that ever existed in the universe. God goes around and looks for people that can't do anything for themselves. In, in, in other words, many of us have too much for God to use us. Ain't nobody gonna talk about it right there. Uh, uh, um, um, see, 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 God, this is the way God, see, if I'm going to the court on Cecil, I'm not on Cecil B, on, 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 right down the street on, on 17th and Susquehanna, 16th Susquehanna, guess what I'm gonna do? If I wanna play this, the game for eight hours, five hours that day, I'm taking my best four out there. We're going to work. 
You understand what I'm saying? We're gonna, everybody, we're going to have us, the, the right God, the right person. We're going to have, we're going to get out there so we can play some ball, not losing, right? God doesn't go to the court like that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit go to court and picks the worst people that's been sitting out there the whole time that nobody's been using. Why? Because God never needs talent. Listen, listen. Talent isn't a hot commodity to God. <laughs> see, 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 for God, God doesn't need talent. He wants willingness. Because an ungifted person with power is more equipped with a gifted person with no power. Ain't nobody going to talk back right there. The way God works is God chooses people who don't get scouted. And they get overlooked, and what he does is he invests in them because they are the people that weren't at the cool table in high school. They were the people that got bullied. They were the girl with the braces at school. They was the guy with the unbroad shoulders that went through puberty real late. That's the person that God uses. God doesn't use the person who everybody thinks is muscular and, and everybody thinks is beautiful. And you probably, I'm not saying God don't use you, but many of us in the flesh choose according to the flesh. But God chooses is according to the spirit because he knows that when you finally get up there because you never did anything for yourself you never opened the door and you tried to bang down doors and nothing happened but when you go through what you go through and God takes you on the other side of it and God exalts you you said if it had not been See, many of us have too much to be used. But God tells Gideon, Gideon gets in an argument with God, and he says, he said, please, my Lord. He said, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where all his wonders now, what our fathers talked to us about? Hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. What's interesting is everything that Gideon is talking about is a stronghold because it's a mindset. But what's further interesting is Israel gets themselves into stuff and blame God for it. Now, I know nobody in this room do that. You ask where God is and you're the one that left. He didn't. You ask, how to, how to, why would God put me in this mess when you got yourself in the mess? But what's beautiful about God is God ignores his apologetic against his character. God has eternal maturity that he doesn't care how you troll on him. God is mature enough to not let the pain of how you've dealt with him verbally because you said some whack and thought some whack stuff about him but he still loves you you said God why did you let me get raped and he still loves you God why did you let me get molested he still loves you as you accuse him of something man did he still loves you when you say God why have you abandoned me when your bills got paid you got taken care of but God still does stuff for you even though you refuse to see the glory of what he's done for you because when we do something right we say we did it when something wrong happens in our life we blame on God I got to close this. I got a lot more to say on this. But God says, go in the strength you got. He said, you're going to deliver Israel as one person. Gideon gets it, because we got to do some business with the Lord at the end of this. And in verse 25 and 26 and 27, I'm ending. 
God, get Gideon, before that, in between verses 17 through verse 24, got it. It's the Lord. He showed himself up. Oh, my goodness. He cooked some meal for him. He's like, oh, my goodness. Yahweh showed up. Why didn't I die? Mm. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada, mm. Let me get this. Mm. Then all of a sudden, God's like, all right, today. God didn't wait another day. He said, all that cooking is nice. He says, but today, you're going to go to your daddy's house. Stop right there. God wants you to go to the place of origin. Many of you are walking in some stuff, and you need to go back to the place of origin. You've been trying to deal with how it's been for the last year. God's trying to get you back to 20 years ago. That created the environment of the human being that's sitting in front of him right now. <laughs> so, so, so now what you got to do now is you got to go back to those childhood memories of what people said to you. That wasn't true. And why you let it affect you like that. You have to go back to that place where that person abandoned you. You got to go back to that place and you got to go sit in that living room in like a virtual reality and the moment, ask God to help you with, when is the moment when I started believing these lies about myself? And what God wants to do is he wants to take you back there. Why? Because in the text, Gideon's dad's crib was literally a temple for Baal, Baal rather, and Asherah. And so now he's saying, I want you to go down there and I want you to do two things. Cut down and uproot the altars to them and then build a well-constructed. Somebody say well-constructed. I like that. Because you can't tear stuff down in your life and not well-construct something in its place. Oh, that's a word right there, y'all. Y'all don't even know it. You should have lifted your hands and shouted on that part. Because now, listen, what I like about this is God initiates encouragement and empowerment for freedom, but he doesn't deal with the strongholds for him. <laughs> he didn't deal with, Gideon has to deal with the strongholds himself. That means you, brother and sister in Jesus, you have to go face your stuff and God will be with you. But what God will do is he will escort you to, into your greatest brokenness and strengthen your hands by the name of Jesus Christ to begin to tear it. He said, that's it. Tear it down. Get it all. And you're going to be weeping on the floor, crying, and God going to say, keep going. Yeah. It's still a shrapnel right there. It's still a splinter. Pull that down too. Yes, that piece too. All of it. All of it. All of it. And all of a sudden, he's going to say, now carry it outside. And in tears in your eyes, he's going to say, lay it down, light a match, and burn it. But then he's going to escort you back inside while you're in tears. He's going to say, now let's rebuild. I want to rebuild in this same spot where there was dysfunction. Where there was pain. Where there was turmoil. I want you to well construct something for me. So that every time you pass this place, you look at how I delivered you. And not only that, you're encouraged in where you are to get beyond it. I'm done. I got more to say I'm done. Oh, last thing, verse 28. When Gideon got free, the haters showed up. Now, when I talk about, I'm not talking about the worldly haters. Talking about in verse 29, it says, when they found out he tore it up, people wanted to kill him. 
when you get free, everybody's not going to be happy. I'm just going to let you know, the closer you get to deliverance, the harder the enemy fights you. I'm done. Lord, it's time to go to work, Lord, for your namesake. First off, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give, and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.